number one. So, if you don't have one of these, could you just give me a quick wave if you don't have one of these? Because we have some spare ones we can give you. So there's a couple of guys here over there in blue. So just keep your hands up or just put them up when you see a person looking for you with one of these. We're working through uh, this resource called The Big Picture. And it's looking at the macro purpose that God has for us as his people. And so as we've been talking about, it's essential that we understand his purpose for us because we are his people. It's not about us coming up with our own purpose. It's about seeing his purpose for us and then living from his purpose. And that's where all the life is contained in. And I do want to encourage us all to be tracking because if you miss one of the sessions, you're sort of going to be a little bit behind what we're talking about because we're speaking from the context of moving forward. So if you miss session three, you go, what are these guys talking about? Because we've been talking about this finished reality and that there is a prophetic sound, there's a prophetic utterance that speaks of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? It means everything Jesus has already accomplished, because the testimony is sharing of what is done, it's not what's being done, it's done. So everything Jesus has done and finished is where you prophesy from. So you prophesy, you declare the word of God from a finished reality. Does that make sense? So it's a testimony that is already done. So before the foundations of the earth, the world, it was finished. So we need to know the finished work of God because it's finished. It's not finishing, it's finished. And our lives must reflect that and we must be partaking of that reality. That's why it is critical to hear the word of the Lord like we just sung. Hear the word of the Lord, because that is not just hearing me speak right now and trying to understand me in your mind. That's not hearing the word of the Lord. You need to be able to hear the spiritual word and the spiritual thoughts that are being declared through English in your spirit. Because I'm really, and we're going to be speaking a spiritual language through English. And it's one of the things, and I said this before, that if I'd been God, I would have literally made his word a language. So you'd know not to try and understand it in your mind, because it's another language that you need to know the language to understand the language that's spoken. Does that make sense? So if I was to speak Japanese right now, and you don't know Japanese, you couldn't understand me in your mind, could you? Because you need to know Japanese to know what I'm saying. That's what the spiritual word is like. So it's not English, it's not Hebrew, it's not Greek, it's not Aramaic, it's not Afrikaans, it's not Samoan, it's not Tereo, it's spirit. And so that's why we have the Holy Spirit to hear the spiritual word that is being declared through a vessel which is human. And like it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14, that the Thessalonians heard the word out of the mouth of man but knew and believed it was the word of God. And they heard it, they received it, they accepted it, they believed it, and the Bible says it performed its work in them. 
So when you hear the word of the Lord the way the Spirit intends, there's a work that happens in you. You know something's happened. You know you've received something on the inside of you that you didn't have before. That's how you know you're hearing the word of God. And there's a very difference, like I said, between hearing his voice, and we'll unpack that. Okay? So page three, we're really getting far, aren't we? Um, But who knows? You're never in a hurry with God. So page three, under the heading spiritual hearing to hear spiritual words and thoughts, I'm just going to read you 1 Corinthians 2.13, just as a... uh, as proof of what Paul is saying and what I've just said. Because this is the opportunity that we have as his people. So 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, Which things we also speak, which are the things that are hidden and concealed. So Paul knew the things that were hidden and concealed because it had been revealed because he could hear the word of the Lord. So he says, These things we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So this is why we need to be able to hear the spiritual words and have the mind of Christ if we're going to live as Christ, as opposed to just living how we've always lived. So hearing is the key. Hearing is the absolute key of the Spirit to know and from knowledge, understanding, and from understanding wisdom to be able to live a Christ-like life, and as children, demonstrate that. And so it is critical, like it's essential. If we're not hearing, we won't be living. Okay, This is how critical this is. It's a number one. It's like a first. If you can't hear, you won't understand. And if you don't understand, you won't have wisdom. And if you don't have wisdom, you can't live out wisdom. You'll always be thinking, I think this is it, I think this is it, but it actually won't be him because you must hear the word of the Lord, receive it, accept it, believe it, and then it performs a work in you that enables the wisdom. So I've never tried to be a Christian. I don't know what that is. It's not how I came in. I came in with power that enabled a Christ-like living. Because it's the power in you, the resurrected power that we spoke about. Resurrection power runs through my veins. That's what everyone needs. So you don't try to be, you just be. And hearing is a massive key. And so we're going to just kick it off with looking at Romans ten seventeen. Um because it says here, just in your notes, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So once again, there's this finished reality. It's a done deal, and it exists right now in an unseen realm called the spiritual kingdom of God. And so we're going to speak from that place. And our role is to be able to hear it, ultimately so we can see it, and live in accordance to it, not live in accordance to the world and our lives that we think are. Yep. Okay. So thoughts, guys, on Romans ten seventeen in relation to not faith, but hearing and the key of hearing. Sin.
Morning, guys. I will restrain my f <coughs> myself this morning from saying this is a massive, pa massive passage, <laughs> even though it is. <laughs> but I think, you know, like Greg was saying, hearing is so key, you know, and the, to me the, the key is that there's a certain kind of hearing that we're hearing about, you know. When you hear hearing, you hear one of your physical senses, but actually the kind of hearing he's talking about is almost like a sixth sense, you know? Otherwise, why would we need to be born again to be able to hear and see and receive this kingdom life within us, you know? So the hearing that we're talking about is not a natural hearing with your physical ears. It's a hearing that comes by and through the Spirit, and it's the Word of God, and I, as I've just been thinking about this throughout the week, I, I was just reminded of, um, you know, there's this, there's this myth, you know, that, that opera singers back in the day could sing so well and so precisely that, you know, you see the scene and everyone's there in like their fancy dress and the opera singer gets up and they sing this, this song and it shatters all of the wine glasses on the tables, you know. But did you know that that's not actually a myth? It's actually reality in the physical? That, that there's a certain kind of sound that actually has the ability to shatter glass. But it's not the loudness of the sound, and it's not actually even that the sound is high-pitched. Scientifically, there's a particular kind of frequency that when the frequency of this particular sound collides with the frequency of the glass, it says that the, that the particles in the glass get so excited that, this is scientifically, they get so excited that, it, that they smash. And so all of creation actually declares the gospel, you know, physically it declares the gospel. But we have to have spiritual ears to hear in this kind of way because this kind of frequency and hearing this kind of sound has the potential to do that very thing in us. It says that the Word of God is living and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's able to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And just like this sound has the frequency to go from being physical and being something that you just hear in your ear to actually doing something in another realm, the Word of God, if we hear and receive it by the Spirit and the way that God intends, has the ability not just to remain outside of us, but to come in and smash and destroy every natural thing and form the very substance of Christ within us. And so as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. And we need to hear this kind of word, something that goes the word that goes beyond words, hearing that goes beyond physical hearing, hearing the word of the Lord that produces change and transformation in us that's by the Spirit. So to me, that this is, it's, it's massive. And, and the key here is that it's, there's a certain kind of hearing that comes from a certain kind of word that produces his work in us. So those are my key thoughts. And it's a certain kind of preaching. It's all connected. How will they know unless one come and preaches? And predominantly we've just gone, oh yeah, how will the lost know about Jesus? But it's not. It's the entirety of mankind. How will mankind know the will of God and the purposes of God unless a man or a woman of God 
comes and preaches a particular style of preaching because they're in a particular kind of word, because they're a particular kind of hearing, because they're of a kind of faith. One, 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 one equals oneness. And this is what this does. And Sam touched on there, there's the word of God when heard, depending on the heart, has a different response. So if the heart is hard, the word heard starts to plow the hard heart. But if the heart is fertile, it receives it and starts to grow. But like in the natural, you can't grow a plant if the ground is hard. And so it's the parable of the sower. And Jesus said, it's those who hear and understand that have fruit of 30, 60, 100 produced in them. But there's these three other environments. And so the heart is the key because the heart is hard. It can determine how it hears and goes, I don't like that. So it actually never actually gets to be plowed because it's hard. And there's rocky places and there's thorns and you track that and there's only one environment that actually hears and understands and has fruit produced so it's a challenge because Jesus said to his disciples are your hearts still hard did you gain no insight from the healing of sorry the feeding of the 5,000 no they didn't and yes their hearts were hard so when he spoke they only heard him in the natural. It's interesting, eh? As you get older, what happens to your natural hearing? It deteriorates. How many of you have been in a room full of people and there's a conversation going on and you're trying to make out what is spoken? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with the spiritual. We can hear a lot of things being spoken to declared, but unless our spiritual hearing is attuned to it, it's just words being spoken, and we can't receive it. And we can, be, we can hear the sound going on, but it's not doing anything in us. It's not able to penetrate. So we need to have our ears finely tuned to hear what the word of the Lord is saying. It says in Isaiah, it says, Coastlands, that's New Zealand, listen to me in silence. That's interesting. And let the peoples gain new strength. Isn't that powerful? How many times have we sat quietly before the Lord and purely waited upon him to listen for his voice? Now, why is this so important? Because there's a lot of sounds being made out there in the world today, and often in the name of the Lord. But can you discern what is and what isn't? You see, in Samuel, when Samuel was growing up as a boy, it's interesting, he, he slept near the Ark of the Covenant. And he heard the voice of the Lord calling him. He didn't really understand at that stage. It said the word of the Lord in those days was very rare. So anyway, he hears this word. And the Lord declares to him that he's going to... Now, this is really interesting. I'm going to tickle the ears of everyone who hears it. Now, that's interesting. In Jeremiah, it says the same thing. Behold, O Israel, hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to tickle the ears of those who hear the word. What he was saying is because you have not believed and you have not listened, I'm just going to send something out there. 
How many of us are drawn to what tickles the ear? It usually punished the people because they were not following him. No, not, not, not that I'm saying this going to happen here, but what it is is God is saying, hey, you just want to hear anything. Hey, you go your own way. And it, cost, it came to a point where uh, in Samuel, they, um, uh, they went and fought out, uh, fought the Philistines, and 4,000 uh, of them were killed. And they thought, oh, no, what's, what's gone wrong? So they thought, why don't we just add the covenant to it? Why don't we just add God to what we're doing, and hopefully it'll go okay. And this is the word that he was talking about, tickling the ears. And, of course, 30,000 of them perished, and they lost the ark. It's the same thing, you know, we can follow what we want, what feels good, what f- sounds great. What, oh, look at this over here, and look at this over here. And we can be going in all sorts of different directions, but there's one sound, one word being spoken. Can you hear the sound that God is actually reverberating in this place? Because it's so important, otherwise we'll do our own thing. I just want to... Um touch on and explain hearing his voice and hearing his word because if you look down here it says faith comes from hearing so we've looked at what faith is we're going to go back over what faith is over the week so something comes once you hear so faith is sight faith is an absolute assurance of what you know exists in the finished, eternal, unseen realm, which is already done. So to be able to see into that realm and know what is already established and where we're to be living from, you need this thing called faith. But it comes from hearing. Okay? So there's a massive difference between hearing God's voice and hearing his word. They are both prophetic it's both the eternal, but there's a very, very big difference. Okay, Let me give you an example. In three days' time, I'm going to die and rise again. Meet me in Galilee. Did they hear his voice? Did they go to Galilee? Where were they? They were crying, upset, because he died. He told them, I'm going to die and rise again. So they heard his voice but did not hear his word. Because if they'd heard his word, they would have been in Galilee. And they wouldn't have been upset because they have now faith. You see the unseen. You go, oh, that's not the end. This is just part of the process for me becoming like you, which needs to happen. Okay? Another example. Ladies, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why have you spent the entire night preparing for the body that's been risen? Like, what are you doing here? Now, did he say to those ladies, I'm going to die and rise again? Yes, he did. So when you can't hear the word, faith isn't produced, which means your life isn't reflective of faith because you're not living and you're not where you should be. So they should have been somewhere else, but they're in a tomb looking for a dead guy that's living in Galilee. 
So this is the example, but you can hear his voice. Now, here's the thing. Hearing the word is for the formation of Christ within you. Okay, That's what the word does when it's heard. It builds him in you because you're hearing who is the word? Christ. So Christ is the eternal word. When you hear the eternal word which doesn't perish and you hear it through the spirit, it builds the eternal life where? In you. So if the eternal life is in you, you can live from the eternal life, correct? But you can't hear without the Holy Spirit's power revealing that within you. But you can hear his voice and none of that happens. So the hearing of the word of God is not for function, it's for formation. And it's for the formation of the eternal life within you. So out of you come the fruit of eternal life, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Because you're abiding in the vine and hearing the spiritual word and the spiritual thought. So then you live from that word in you. You are becoming literally Christ-like. You're not a God, but you are a son of the Son. You are God's, little g and S's, you are royalty like Christ was. You're his brother, your father is the father, and you're abiding and you're becoming one because you are hearing the spiritual word and the spiritual thought through the Spirit's revelation. Then you speak and you of that freely, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. Okay? Now the second part is when you hear his voice, it's for function. Go and give Joe Hughes a hug. Why? Because she needs a hug. Don't ask, just do it. Huh. Joe might share some things. Go give Shirley a hundred bucks. Why? Because Shirley needs a hundred bucks, and I'm telling you to. So you're hearing his voice, and you're being obedient to his voice. But that doesn't produce life in me. Function never produces life in me. Formation does. Fellowship with God. So fellowship defines function. Okay? But you can do function and have no fellowship. You can do plenty of function and have no formation. So you can hear God say things to you, And you can do them, and it's right, and it's spirit-led, but still have no formational life within you. So when tests and trials come, your function's not going to cut that, is it? It's the foundation that's in you that stands the torrent of the trial. It's what's been built and dwells in you through the receiving of the revelation because you've heard the word, so you now have faith which is the absolute assurance of what you hope for. It's the conviction of the unseen. So you see God's macro plan. And because you see it, when trials and tribulations come, that's bigger than the trial and the tribulation. So you overcome the trial and the tribulation because what you're looking at by faith in the finished work is bigger than that. That's what the early church had. That's what all Hebrews 11 had, those people. They saw into the future, which was now, but it was their reality because they heard it. And Hebrews 3, 19 says, The Israelites didn't hear 
the word of the Lord when it was spoken, so they never entered the promised land. They had unbelief because when it went out, they couldn't hear it spiritually. So you hear in the natural, and now you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. Definitely not that. I don't believe that. The Thessalonians heard, received, accepted, believed, and the the word, which is the seed of God, performed a work of creation life within them. So God spoke his word, and we're all here. Well, when God speaks his word and his creation hears it the way it's intended, you grow. Because we're his creation, are we not? So if the natural creation needed the word to come into existence, then do you think you don't? See, this is what he's saying. He said, you can eat bread, honey, burger, max, whatever you like your entire life, but that's not the word that's going to build you. Man does not live on natural. He lives on the eternal so why are you working for food that perishes? Why are you here in a tomb when I'm over here? Why are you still when I'm over here? Because there's a hearing that is of a kind. So we need to know what that kind is. So we need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Spirit. We need to be born of the Spirit. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus who died for your sin and iniquity. It's not enough just to believe John the Baptist's message. You need that message, and then you need the kingdom message because this is all kingdom. So there are two messages wrapped up inside one message. There's received John's message, repentance of sin and iniquity. Now you need to repent and receive the kingdom message, which is being born of the Spirit being baptized of the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, because you can do that and not have that. And so you won't understand any of this stuff of kingdom because you're not of the Spirit. You need the Spirit to understand the spiritual kingdom of God. So when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, a whole lot of Jewish disciples that were not yet of the Spirit went, whoa, what are you talking about? And you claim to be the Messiah, The Messiah would never teach that. Yes, the Messiah is teaching that. You're just not of the Spirit. And you reject and you walk away from me. Isn't that what happened? Why did they walk away? They didn't like what he said. But was he preaching the truth? So the truth makes you free, but you walk away from it because you don't like it. Do you think that happens today? Do you think it happens in this church? Do you think it happens in the church? Do you think it will always happen? Yes. When man doesn't hear in the spirit, man, woman, and the truth comes and you don't like what it says, there's a good chance you'll walk away from it or reject it or not believe it or justify it, which means then you don't enter into what? the life of that word and it doesn't enter into you so you stay the same but you can run around and do a whole lot of things but there's more to it than that isn't there because when the storms of life come and they will come and the trials of life which Jesus says are coming and will come will you and I be a house that stands because we heard and because we can see of the Spirit.
And we're going to need to be. And the storms I'm not talking about are end times. I'm talking about what happens when a loved one dies? What happens when you lose a job? What happens when your hair falls out? And your glory is your hair? What happens when you've worked hard on your body for so long because you're all about the image and all of a sudden the body doesn't do what it used to do or you get a surprise in sickness? Like, where's your treasure? And what is it built upon? Because your treasure's just gone. And all of a sudden now you're flapping for something that hasn't been built. But it's an opportunity for it to be built. So the hearing is critical. Like I can't stress, it's essential to be a follower. You don't need it if you want to be part of an institutional model. But if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to be able to hear and understand. But hearing is before understanding. Oh, they're hungry up here. I <laughs> see that. I was, was going to say, I feel like, Greg, what you're sharing is, is so key, particularly in light of what we've been looking at over the last number of weeks in terms of God's predestined finished plan. Hey, you know? Because I think for a long time in modern Christianity, hearing from God has been about hearing what His purpose is for my individual life and my calling, you know? And that there's an element of rightness and truth. In that, because God does, you know, like like you said, have different functioning roles and different tasks to perform. But ultimately, what does it mean to hear His word, His macro word, His plan for us as the body of Christ, which is His plan for my life? Because my, I've, when you're in Him, your life is died and you're hidden in Christ with God. You know, and so to me, the, the question is, you know, what what does it mean? To, to know his predestined, purposed plan for our life, big picture, so that we can live in it and live from it. You know, it's so much bigger than just an individual position or an individual calling, you know. And so, to me, hearing his word is the only way that we would, that we are able to actually see what that purpose is and live for it. Because there's no way other than hearing the word that we would ever come up with that by ourselves. You would never read the Bible and realize that your entire life is about a heavenly spiritual calling that is for another realm and is for, you know, it's, it's eternal in nature. You just don't come up with that. It says that his ways aren't our ways, that his purposes haven't even entered into our thoughts and entered into our minds. And that's why we have to receive this kind of word that produces the sight to be able to live for something that we never knew that life was all about previously. So, I'd like to um, add to that too in the sense that uh, I've been a Christian a long, long time, but I never really knew the eternal purposes of God. And it was all about making my own life and, and my own personal words and, and all this sort of thing and what's my destiny, my all those different things. For all those years, it wasn't until I came here that suddenly I heard a different frequency. And I thought I'd come here to, to add what I knew to this place. Suddenly I discovered that in actual fact it was rubbish. It was nothing. It was, it was basically man's ideas and man's ways. But there's a difference between man's ways and God's ways. And when the word of the Lord went out, suddenly I was, what's going on here? My world is turning upside down because I'm hearing something that wasn't what I knew or understood. 
But over time, God began to reveal to me, actually, he's not just uprooting the old systems, he's actually putting it the right way around. But can we allow the word to come in and change us? And that's the whole thing. You see, Jesus, on the day of um, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, I think it was, he was there on the last day of the feast, it says. And it was all about the water, the living water. And for seven days they take the water and they pour it out over the altar and so forth. But on the seventh day, they did it seven times, and they blew the trumpets declaring the Messiah. And as they blew that trumpet, Jesus declared, Hey, I am the living water. Come to me. You who are thirsty. And the people were so busy doing ticking the boxes for their religious system and, and, and going over the whole thing going over by rote, really, doing what they've always done. And there's this lonely voice calling out in the wilderness, hey, I'm the fulfillment of that, that whole feast. I'm the fulfillment of. Come to me. Are we so busy, like I was, ticking the boxes, coming every Sunday, making sure I got to the prayer meeting, Paying, paying my tithes and things like that, but going through the rote of everything but not being internally changed in here and hearing the word of the Lord that goes, boom, actually, I'm not in this. <gasps> in actual fact, it's a really good place to be when you realize that you're not in it because suddenly you're seeing a reality before your eyes that, Hey, actually, there's a lot more to this than just going through the motions and ticking the box. Suddenly, I'm hearing something that demands a response. We've been chosen as royalty. Before we ever was, were birthed, we were chosen for a divine, eternal reality in a life. Yeah? It's eternal. It's anchored in heaven. But we find ourselves on this thing called earth. And we start life thinking it's all about earth and discovering this earth's ways and earth and my life here, and it's not. We've been hoodwinked. Real life has been concealed from us because we were created in Christ, and Christ is concealed from us when we all get born. And so the Spirit has to open up the Christ, correct? No one can know Jesus outside of Revelation. That's the problem. We've tried to build something. It's called an institutional model. And we've tried to understand the scriptures through our minds, which creates a false knowledge that we can't live out because we've been created to live a kind of life. And to live that kind of life, because there's a true demonstration of this, there is an absolute true demonstration of what it is to model wisdom. And we have to find that in him. Otherwise, we can't live it. We'll just try. And our lives are the evidence. Like truth is self-evident. Okay, So your life is the demonstration of the truth that's within you. So the truth in you, Jesus, will come out of you. And the more you're in Christ and hearing his word and Christ is being formed, Christ just comes out of you. Like you're not trying, he's in you coming out of you. Christ in you is the hope 
that God's got for his glory getting into the earth. That's his plan. Because we're to be ministers of glory. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3. The glory is to be going from glory to glory, isn't it? And Moses had an old glory. When Christ came, he came with a brand new glory. And we're to be ministers of that glory. And that glory is to be in us, being formed in us. So when people look at us, they see who? Christ. So the kingdom of God is in you because when Jesus went, hey, boys, look at who I really am on the mountain, what did they see? The son of man or the son of God? Right. So that's who you and I are to be, sons of God. So when they look at us, they don't see Greg Simnor, they see the son of God. They see the kingdom glory light radiating out of the vessel God has poured his glory into. But all this is through revelation. None of this comes through the human intellectual mind of trying to understand. You have to experience what I've said. You have to receive what I've said through power. You can't figure this out. I never figured this out. This happens to you through realizing you can't do it. So you all have to stop trying to come into life and surrender and then allow God to be God. Because if things start with me, we're all in trouble. If I'm looking for my purpose, that means it starts with me. I thought it was in the beginning was God, not in the beginning was Greg. I share the same first letter, but that's about all. <laughs> Although I am named Gregory James Simnor, which I find fascinating. Everyone's going, what's that got to do with him? Have a think about it. GJS. Anyway, nothing to do with it. But in the beginning must be God. So my beginning posture must be the word, no longer me. And that defines everything, which comes through a hearing, which is not, as we've said, natural. Otherwise, we will just continue day-to-day life. And we'll never discover this true life we were created for, this eternal life. We are royalty. We're to live as royalty. But we're what? Bond servants. So we're not here to serve others. Uh, sorry, we're not here to be served. We're here to serve. But you can't be a bond servant unless you know the one who was a bond servant. And you can't be a bond servant unless you hear the word of the bond servant through the power of the bond servant, because that word is what enables me to be a bond servant. It's not me trying to be a servant. It's just the divine eternal gospel going to work in the vessel it was created for because the vessel has realized its inability to change itself. But its ability to receive a word that does all the change. And that's what separates a kind and a kind. It builds the mature, but not the immature. It builds the obedient, but the disobedient. See, it's the brothers. It's the what kind. It's the five and five. It's the two and the one. So the true word of God builds us in Christ. Man's version is just, I'm building, I'm around it but I'm not built. So the challenge that we all have to ask ourselves 
is are you being raised in Christ or have you just been raised in Christianity? They are not the same thing at all. One is around it, but not in it. Now, God covers both kinds. And God is calling us, if we've been raised with, to be in. But it's the hearing of the word that takes you from there to there, but there's a relinquishing of a life from here. And that's the greatest challenge. But this is the opportunity. So when you actually realize who you've been called to be, because you start hearing a word, you actually relinquish your life. And here's the challenge. If you find yourself saying cost and sacrifice a lot, you probably don't know the value. So if you're always saying, I've got to die, man, this is hard, I've got to sacrifice, it costs me, you probably don't know the value of the life he bought and paid for you. I'm not saying it's different to an easy Jesus did not have an easy life. But once you have surrendered, there is no more sacrifice. It's a joy. To lay your life down is an honor. It is not a sacrifice. It's part of being his son. There is no negative associated with sacrifice and cost if you know the value. It's like what I was created for. It's not easy. Because the challenges and the tests that come when you live that, but it's not a cost and a sacrifice, you paid the cost through the power of receiving the word because you got crucified. And all the word does through hearing it is enables this brand new life, this new created life in Christ. It's the word heard that does the work. See, religion is a church trying to do it all. But we don't get too far apart from being frustrated, disillusioned, and we're not in life. And this is the challenge of truly hearing. Um, and I just want to maybe just go to page four. There's a time, 11, 15. And just look at these three passages. So there's Revelation 2, verse 7. John 8, verse 43, and John 10, 27. So Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is not a natural ear. This is a spiritual ear. So you've been given natural ears and eyes for the natural. It's right. But you need spiritual ears and eyes for the Spirit. Makes perfect sense, yeah? So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the people. It's the Spirit that speaks. The Spirit's role was not to come up with anything new, correct? His role was to just share what the Father had already established and what Jesus had said. So the Father, Son, Spirit are one with one another. They speak exactly the same word. So the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks, not man. But the Holy Spirit might speak through a man when the man is one with the Father, Son, and the Spirit and becoming one. So the tension is 
you can hear directly from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's in you and he wants to engrave God's word on your heart and your mind. And then God also uses men and women to speak the same word. So it's the Spirit who speaks. And Jesus is saying, my people, you must hear what the Spirit says in the spiritual language. And it's why God warned the Israelites not to make an image of him in their image. Because he said, you've got no form. You didn't see me when I spoke from the mountain. You heard. But when you can't hear, you go in the natural of what you look at. So you build a calf in the form of and call it God. And you make God in your image because you can't hear the word. And this is why you can't take your leading from your natural because you've got to hear his spiritual word if you're going to see him because that's faith, correct? Sight comes through hearing. So here's a warning, he says. Hear the voice because I am not a form. Hear the sound of heaven. Hear the frequency that smashes glasses because that word and that sound together builded this earth and the world's. And you and I. So it's not based on physical sight, which, let's be honest, that's how most human beings in the natural learn. Do you know the lowest form of learning in the natural is hearing? And the greatest is physical demonstration. That's the way of heaven. But the way of earth is to hear. It's the complete opposite. So we do a lot of copying when we need to be imitating. I was, this is sort of, it kind of brings us to that next verse, eh? you know, John 8 where it says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word, you know? I was like, man, this is such a profound little statement, eh? you know, like, why do you not understand what I'm saying? He's not saying, oh, because you're dumb, you know. (laughs) Like he's saying, why do you not understand what I'm saying? Oh, because you're intellectually challenged. You know, he's saying, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word, you know. And to me, this this should breathe, we should breathe a sigh of relief hearing this, you know. Like, at least finally we've got the answer, you know. Like, all of these weeks hearing from Greg, and I don't remember a single thing that he said, you know. But ultimately, he's saying it's, it's not because there's an issue with your intellect that you can't grasp what I'm saying. In fact, it's interesting. I was thinking um, during the week about the parable of the seed and the sower, and in the middle, there's a little interlude, you know, and he says that, he, and Jesus deliberately says that he speaks in parables and he uses typologies and pictures and shadows so that some will hear and some won't hear, you know? And that is his master plan. To, ultimately, he's, his ultimate aim is actually not to conceal, it's to reveal. But he doesn't. But the reason why he speaks in parables is because you need to hear in a particular kind of way to hear the, what lies beneath the story and not the story itself. You know, you, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear 
my word, you know? And so to me, this, this, is so, this is so key that we need to be able to hear his word and hearing is the starting point and understanding is what flows from true spiritual hearing as opposed to hearing the typology and then, do you see what I'm saying? It's a completely round the other way reality that it's not the intellectual first and then the spirit. It's you receive the substance of the spirit that opens up around that all of a sudden you can understand now what it is that he's saying. And I feel like for me, this has been one of the most like profound things in my life. I think coming to to receive the word in this way, I feel like I went from not understanding anything in the scriptures to I remember sitting, there's a good friend of mine that I, that I sat down with and we started going through the parables of Jesus and I had a preconceived idea what most of them were about. It was about being saved from my sin so that I could go to heaven when I died. And he said, actually, none of the parables are really about that at all. Maybe one, but the vast majority are actually about this, that, that when you start to read them, they're all about a, a, a plan, an eternal plan that God has for his body that you're to enter into. They're actually all about your transformation, your sanctification. And it, and it, it, it shook me a little bit because all of a sudden my, the knowledge that I had wasn't stacking up to, to what it was that I was seeing. And it started this what it spurred me on this process of seeking him and there was a couple of profound and powerful moments I think where where all of a sudden the scriptures started to open up and I started to see this eternal purpose that he has and one of the first um, scriptures that he's I feel like the Holy Spirit opened up was a parable the centurion where he talks about actually the way that you he talks about authority and author- coming under authority now, having implications for sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the future kingdom. And I started to see, man, this is a, so much, this is about this eternal purpose that he has for us. And that, that process of hearing his word, I, all of a sudden, I felt like I could almost interpret every scripture in the entire Bible because of the substance that I received of, of his word that opened up this, this picture that I had never seen before. And I'm not saying that I can interpret every scripture in the Bible, but it felt like that because all of a sudden the scriptures that I had no idea what they meant, all of a sudden seemed to all come back to the same purpose. It was about Christ. It was about knowing him. It was about his eternal plan. But one moment, I feel like I received more in one moment of revelation than I had in my entire Christian upbringing up until that point, you know. And so this is what the, this is what hearing his word does. I think, look, I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but looking back in hindsight, finally I had heard a word that was eternal. Finally, I had heard the frequency of the Spirit that had opened up this realm of faith to me that I wouldn't, wasn't just listening to what he was saying or reading what he was saying. I could see it. And it really radically changed my entire Christian walk, but, but my life, because I was living now for something that I had received that I could see as opposed to something that I was being taught about or something that I had read about. And so, you know, just back to this verse, I think they're saying, why do you not understand what I was saying? I didn't understand because I hadn't received the word. 
um, and, it, and it was a profound and, and different way of receiving that I hadn't known up until that point, you know. So. Receiving is so important, eh? When you're hearing the word, you have to receive it. On the day of Pentecost, there was a new sound that went forth, a violent wind. Now, in that time, it was the time of the harvest. It was very settled weather. You didn't have any sort of weather that went haywire. It was just settled, warm. It was the best time of the year. Suddenly there is a different sound. There's a violent wind, and it brings people out in the street. They're suddenly hearing something, and they're seeing the, um, the disciples declaring the word of the Lord. And there's two responses. One was mockery. Whenever you can't perceive it or understand it, well, first of all, they're trying. They said they were perplexed. They were trying to understand it in their mind. They were trying to work it out, and they couldn't. They couldn't work it out. So there was two, two responses. One was mockery, bringing it down to their level to try and explain it away, laugh it away, or just ignore it. And the other ones asked questions. Ask questions. And that's really good when you're, when you're not sure about things. Ask questions. And then, of course, um, it said that they received the word. And they were baptized. So there's a receiving. When they, the word went forth, they had to receive it. And it went in here and it changed them. It's the same with the two men that were walking on the road uh, of Emmaus. They were, they were distressed. They were distraught. Their whole world, what they thought was going to happen, had crumbled. Everything was going to pot, you know. So they're walking away. And the stranger comes and begins to speak and to declare the word of the Lord to them. Now, they'd heard those scriptures, and they heard Jesus speak them as well, but they never had gone into here. Suddenly, their hearts are going boom, 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 because something was resounding in them as it was spoken to them. And, of course, they received it, and it changed their lives when they suddenly their eyes were open to a different reality. Is that receiving is so important. What this true receiving by the Spirit does, it takes out all our strength. And we don't really like that. And it creates childlikeness. Because your man's strength is his mind. And God says, you can't understand me that way. I have to renew that. And what that does is that when you can't or I can't do it, all of a sudden your heart is getting exposed because we go, well, if I can't, I'm not interested. Well, what's that saying about your heart for God? Like if this is the way of heaven and you don't like it because you can't enter into it through your way and you don't want to change, what's that saying about your heart? Because it's saying a lot. And the cool thing is God is loving you in that state. And when you actually know that, like if you saw that, that was the state of a heart, and God shows you, that's where true repentance is found. That's where the godly sorrow that leads to repentance, which leads to life, is found when he shows you your true state. And that's the challenge because the way of God literally takes out the way of man. And so you can't come in your strength. Man's strength is foolishness to God. And man's strength prevents man from entering into God's promised land called his son. Because it's not the way. 
there's only one way and it's my way. I love you unconditionally and I love you into submission and surrender, but I don't change my way for you. You have to come under me. And the quicker we do, the quicker we are into this life and the quicker we discover actually who we are and we start living out who we really are. You see, it's fascinating. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We have to ask ourselves, what does it really mean to follow Christ? What does that really mean? And there's so many counterfeit versions of that, that you have to find his version of what he really means when he says, come follow me, because so often we've painted it up as just turning up here on a Sunday. Well, that might be, and it might not be anything to do with following him. And then when you look at his life and you go, he's the example, he's the pattern, he's the typology, I'm to be Christ-like, well, let's start where he started. Look at the demonstration of Christ's life and the wisdom. That's what I'm supposed to be following. So, so often we think following is based on function, don't we? It never starts in function. It starts in fellowship. You'll never be able to function like Christ unless you've become one with Christ. And to become one with Christ, you can't live. So Jesus was crucified, correct? He died, did he not? Do you and I have to be crucified with Christ? Can you crucify yourself? So how are you going to get crucified if you can't crucify I? You have to receive the very thing that rose him from the grave, correct? Which is called what? Power. No power, no Christ-like living. Live for me thinking Christ-like because I turn up at a service, I sing some songs, but that doesn't necessarily follow. You've got to follow the entire example, which was I came, I died, I got resurrected, I lay my life down, and I give my entire life for the world. Whoa. That's a little bit different from being raised with Christianity where I still live, but do some things. This is an inside-out reformation, a complete salvation of my inner realm so I can actually be the authentic demonstration and truly follow. But what causes it, Greg? His word heard that pierces you, firstly, kills you. I am crucified with Christ through power, and then I'm empowered to live a Christ-like life and no longer live for self, but live by faith in the one who covered me. So there is a massive difference between covered and crucified, and you need to be in both. So God covers us so he can crucify us. And so our role is surrender and allowing and a crucified person is able to live a Christ-like life because they are continually coming into the formation of Christ through the hearing of the word. And they're able to keep the commandments. So if we really want to talk about function, the first functioning role of you and I is to be able to love God with everything we are. 
It's got nothing to do with lost people, gifting, signs and wonders, miracles. It's all to do with fellowship. Then the second is loving one another as Jesus loves. We're to be known for love. See how eternal this is? We'd rather just do function. Because it's our strength, we can do that. But God goes, no, that's not the way to life. All that has to die first. And you actually have to truly know my ways. And then life comes. And so this dimension of hearing a word what actually realigns us and then enables and empowers us to truly follow him and to live free and to be this church that doesn't prioritize anything or anyone over him. And guys, this is a massive overhaul that is required in the body of Christ. Like, it's not little tweaks. It's a massive overhaul. But like Sam said, it's an opportunity to actually become, as individuals, Christ-like and a body. Because what we are as individuals, we are as a body. And what we are as a body, we are as individuals. And so he's drawing people here to a physical place to do a spiritual work. Through a spiritual hearing of a spiritual word that does what he says it does. So the challenge then is being able to hear for what it really is. Not what it's not. Um, and I'm just. Vision is essential because vision is sight, not function, which is faith. But before faith comes hearing. So if I can't hear, I won't be able to see which means I've got no vision. So the Bible says vision. See, this is what, what, what we've done is we talk vision as of its function. It's not. In the world it is. It's not in God's kingdom. Vision is sight. The people perish for a lack of vision. It's revelation. My people can't see. They're blind. So they can't see me. And they can't see my purposes. So when you can't see God and his purposes, you live for you and your purposes. So my people perish because they lack knowledge. They lack the true knowing, the true sight of me that comes through hearing my word. So it's got nothing to do with function, vision in God's kingdom. It's all to do with spiritual sight. Now purpose comes out of sight. So if you can see this, then your purpose is defined by this, which is God's plan. But it's invisible. It's a blank canvas. No, I could describe that. She's beautiful, radiant, spotless, blameless, pure. He is not a she. He is not an it. It's a people of spirit. And it's who we're all called to be. But you need to hear the word and see it in the word to have any idea what's there because that just looks like a blank canvas. And that's what it is in the scene. 
But in the unseen, that is full colour. And I've described her over a number of years. But see, this thing of hearing is like Jesus is speaking like this to his disciples all the time. All the time. The Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. The Holy Spirit is not never speaking. It's just whether we actually can hear when it is declared. And that's why the mind isn't the first place of understanding. Jesus said, why do you reason in your heart? Reason in your heart. If they would hear and come back, I would heal them and they would understand in their hearts. See the difference? So he takes away your strength. Because he's horrible. No, because he does it so you can actually get to know him. Because it's his way. And so we get an opportunity to learn and grow and hear the true way of God so we can enter into life. Because like I said, our lives are reflective. You can't get away from you. It's just whether you're prepared to put the mirror up and go, where am I really at? Like, where am I really at? Can I love a human being like heaven yet? That's the commandment, yeah? So that's what God's going to ask you. Do you love me, church, with all my heart, your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength? See, the seriousness of what I'm saying would bring us all to our knees if we're not in that. The challenges, and I don't have a word yet for this, but I'm pondering and asking the Holy Spirit for this word, which there may not even be a word, but blindness isn't it. Deception's not it. This dimension that we are all in where until he actually shows you, you genuinely believe and think you can be in something and not be in it. And because you're convinced you're in it, there's no motivation to change. Because you are so convinced that you know that you know that you know, but it's not. And I'm asking him for a word that actually, if there is a word in the English, that describes the magnitude of that reality because I know it's been in me. And I see it and hear it all the time. Because only when God shows you can you actually see it and realize it. And that's what it was like for them. Like, why are they not excited when he said, I'm coming back? Like, do you ponder these types of things? Like, why were they not excited? Like, why are we not excited about our faith? Like, it's the most amazing thing to know Jesus. It's the most amazing life to be a Christian. It's like, it's boring to be not a Christian. Like, it's dead. Like, my life was rubbish compared to being a Christ follower. But I didn't know that. I thought it was cool until I got something to compare it to. My life was ridiculously stupid. Partying, going out, thinking it was cool, trying to get big and buff for the girls. It was just stupid. What am I doing? What's well, all I knew? Because this other realm was not a reality to me. And God starts to open your eyes, you're like, what am I doing? Because compared to that, this is ridiculous. So you drop that and run to that. 
but you need something to compare it to. Otherwise, you think what you think and live what you've always lived, and you're outside of something that's for you, and he's covering you, but he wants to get you into it. But when he speaks it, you don't hear it. I'm like, man, how evil am I? What this wretched man that I am, that it's right in front of me, but I can't hear it, so I continue eating poo when there's life on offer. That's what the word means, rubbish. Actually, it's worse than that. And I'm finding as a dog back in my vomit going, yum. Because I couldn't hear it when he spoke it. Like, what, the angels, guys, what are you doing here, ladies? And why have you spent the whole night spending money and resources on stuff? Like, what are you doing? And also when he's in the room, when Judas is going, why don't we give that to the poor? Why don't we get, what a waste of money this lady is. No, it wasn't. It's going to be spoken of years to come. There's only two people presently present in that room. It's Jesus and the woman. Everyone else is asleep, but they're wide awake. And it's here. And when you realize, and you really realize, because you're hearing something going, oh, I'm sick. And tired of just living this life that all I know is all I've known. And I hear of a reality that sounds so far-fetched, but it keeps coming up. And it can either really pee you off, or it can actually get you on your knees praying. One or the other. And it's not supposed to pee you off, it's supposed to get you on your knees praying because it's who you're called to be. But when you realize you can't live it because you're not capable, because you don't have what you need, that can either upset you even more. And so you throw your toys and you walk away. But you're supposed to walk too. You know, we've got to get a hunger and a thirst for what we can't do. And that's not attractive to our flesh. We can't. Have we come to the end of that part in our lives where you realize you can't? Because that's where Christianity starts. Dry bones. This song is a prophetic song for us right now. Can you hear the word of the Lord that creates the sight of the Lord that gets you running for the Lord and leaving and being wholeheartedly abandoned and committed and devoted unto the Lord and his purposes and find your life in that full stop. Outside of that, everything else is a form of godliness. And it will just continue to always be. And you're covered by love, but you won't know love. And you won't be able to live love and when you understand that this is a marriage and at the end of this kingdom life, which Sam was talking about, kingdom, John's message and Jesus' message were two very different messages but of the same kind. And when you understand that the context for everything you're hearing is your covenant, your covenant with Christ that is not to be broken by you, then your whole life, trust me, your whole life finds repentance and you're redirected and you're never found here again. 
I love what Paul Costello said. Repentance isn't turning from sin to sin or away from one sin because you'll find another. It's turning away from sin to him. And you find faith and live to the standard of faith, no longer missing the mark and continuing to live under the standard called sin. And you have to know the difference between sin and not hitting the mark. So he's covered us all so we would no longer miss the mark called sin, but live by faith because faith comes from hearing a kind of word that enables a faith-filled life. But all of that, is concealed and hidden in Christ, and it must be revealed in you because you can't copy it. Everything I've just said comes from here. Can you see it? But you can hear it, but you can't get it. You've got to go get it from the one I got it, which is God. So no one's special. I'm not special. I'm just hungry and thirsty. You can be hungry and thirsty too. Father, we thank you. I want to thank you for so how patient you are. We don't deserve you, man. We don't deserve you. The way we live our behavior, the focus on us. We don't deserve you. I know I don't. But in view of your mercy, in view of the fact that you loved me before I even knew me, based on your goodness, based on (laughs) you, not me, based on everything you have done, based on your kindness and your faithfulness and who you are, only then can I know life and be changed. Holy Spirit, reveal to us the Father. Bring us into yourself. That we would be one with you and see as you see and hear as you hear so we can live as you lived. Father, I pray every form of godliness would be destroyed here today. I pray every mindset that actually sets itself up in opposition to God would be destroyed today. Things that we've been taught, things that we've been brought up with that are not yours. Ideas, concepts, ways of man that we think are actually yours, destroy them, show them to us. Smash the foundations that are not you. Smash our will to oblivion that we no longer live for self but live for you. Bring us to that place of crucifixion through your power. You have chosen us to be royalty, to be kingdom sons and daughters, to not live for self, but to live selfless lives, to be bond servants of the Most High God, to represent you on this earth full stop, and to be found in your Son, being one with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, our lives hidden.
And together, together, Lord, you're building us here together. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one wins, we all win. We cannot do this without one another because that is outside of your design. Your design is a body. All devoted, surrendered to your one purpose. Awaken our soul. Awaken us. So I can praise you. I just want to encourage you as we just spend some time. We won't do questions, but I want us just to sit for a little bit longer. And you know, we all know that on one aspect, our hearts and who we're living for. And I just sense this is a time to find repentance. This is a time to get real and say it as it is to him. I want to take two or three minutes and just give us all the opportunity to be true and honest before him. It's just between you and him. Just hear him saying, you know, it's um, my love isn't based on whether you know me or understand me. My love is based on me. He's saying it's okay to not understand it. It's okay to know that there's more of him that you need to come into. What he doesn't want is anyone to condemn themselves or feel guilty or I'm like Sam said, I'm just a dummy. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just we don't necessarily know him to the measure he wants us to know him. And that's why he had to die 
so we could get to know him. So don't beat yourself up, but seek him. And just tell him he knows. I don't understand. I haven't got a clue. And that's what qualifies you because that's authentic and real. And you can take down your mask because he sees beyond the mask. And he just waits until we come to the place of recognizing what we really need. And I just thank you, God, that you are so patient because you are love. And so we just position ourselves and posture ourselves before you, acknowledging our absolute dependency on you to do a work in us that enables us to be co-heirs with you and not ahead of you. Thank you that you love us individually and as a body. So I pray for an awakening and a reformation and the true revival which is in the hearts of man. Show us all who we really are. Show us your way and your purposes. Show us your eternal purpose. Show us what it is to know you and to hear you and to see you. Show us what it is to know the kingdom mysteries. Reveal your Son, Holy Spirit, deep in us. Renew our minds. Give us the thoughts that you have, not our stinking thinking. Thank you, you are so kind and good. encourage everyone to come out tonight we're going to keep talking about this so um, <coughs> encourage you to go and constantly be marinating in what is being spoken because it's heard and you've got to guard what, who and what you listen to Jesus said be careful who you listen to and so um, yeah if you have any questions, feel free to come up now or email. But outside of that, have an awesome day. And um, we'll see you tonight if you come out.